0: In this episode of the Maybe Running Will Help podcast.
1: One of my big goals at 29, when I was turning 30, I was like, you know what? I actually need to do less with my life. I need to do less. I need to stop trying so hard. Um, and my it was like, my one goal was to get down to one job, right? So get out of the military, stop having multiple jobs. Um, and then, you know, just be a mom and just run. I was like, that's, Plenty. Everything else I need to stop trying to do. Um, and so I spent, you know, getting out of the military is a huge thing. Um, opening my business. I'm still technically like PRN at another job, um, but <laughs> I'm almost there. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, like trying to calm that down over the years. And I feel like a lot of it is anxiety. Right. Like I've even debated, I think the last time I went to work on it, like I wrote uh, betterhelp.com or whatever. And I wrote this whole thing and I was going to work on my anxiety. And they asked me a couple questions. Actually, I love my anxiety. I mean, it's what makes me me. I'm sure it's super annoying for people sometimes, but it's the reason I wake up in the morning and get crap done. I love it.
0: Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Tamburino, also known on Instagram as One Classy Mother Runner. I'm an RRCA certified running coach, author, and the founder of Sanity Loading, a company dedicated to promoting optimism around personal growth and self-satisfaction. Every release, we bring you experienced guests, compelling research, and expert knowledge so that you can continue to inspire others through our sport, regardless of your pace, place, or experience. If you align with the message we are promoting through this podcast, we would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a rating and review on the platform you are listening to. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes that explore the notion that maybe running will help. Hey friends, I am dropping this episode from Dorado Beach in Puerto Rico. Sorry, not sorry guys, this place is magical. In fact, Joe, my husband, calls it fantasy land because he says everyone here is living in a dream world. Somehow he makes that statement sound like a bad thing, but Joe will be Joe, even in a place like this. And we love him and his salty attitude anyway uh it's been an interesting trip uh we spent the first few days in a cute very small boutique hotel near old san juan um feeling very touristy then we switched uh, a couple days ago to a luxurious and very large ritzy ritz here in dorado Um, on transition day, I came down with a fever of 102, uh, tested negative for COVID, but have had a serious sore throat, um, every day, uh, even after my fever dropped. Um, and yeah, I mean, being under the weather is awful, but I can't imagine being in a nicer place than this (laughs) to be in bed and have a view of the ocean is not too bad. Um, but like I said, my, my fever left. I've just been trying to manage the sore throat. Um, we have been going out. Luckily, we're pretty secluded um, where we are. So uh, it's been, you know, there's not, there's actually more people working here than people visiting here right now, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, anyway, enough about me. <laughs> um, we have an incredible episode today. So let's just get started. Yay! Hi, guys. Welcome to Baby Running Will Help. Today, we are so lucky to have Meg Landimore. She is an ultra runner, a wife, and a mom of two. She's a military veteran, small business owner, physician's assistant, and ultra running coach. Her passion for running has helped her overcome mental health challenges and she uses both running and yoga to support her recovery from bulimia. She believes our bodies were made to move and that through exploration and adaptation, we can change our brain chemistry and transform our lives. I'm excited for us to learn more about how running has guided her towards more positive life experiences. Let's get started.
1: Hi, Meg. Hi, thanks for having me on
0: yes i am so glad that we connected i have been learning so much about you through your social media pages and right off the bat i want to start talking about what you're doing right now because you are on the first segment of a really big adventure right
1: yeah so the first segment of the second year of a big adventure okay it's a little bit complicated Um, but yeah, so me and a running partner are running the entire Appalachian trail in large weekend segments. So roughly hundred to 140 miles a weekend. Um, and so we will, as long as everything goes well, we'll finish in about 18 months. Uh, we started last March 26th of 2021 and we did 1,349 miles last year, leaving us with 841 this year.
0: Oh my gosh. Now who planned this whole thing?
1: Um, It sort of came to be after our double SCAR adventure. um, And I'm sure we'll get into that at a different point, um, but... SCAR,
0: also known by the locals as the Smokies Challenge Adventure Run, is a stunning and epic 70-mile stretch of the Appalachian Trail through the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Meg is on the official registry of those who have completed double SCAR, an almost unfathomable out-and-back version of the route. She completed the first recorded female double scar, 144 miles with 36,000 vertical gain and the fastest known time.
1: We both had so much fun, like dealing with the logistics and planning it together that we were like, let's do the entire thing. And then when we laid it out, we were like, oh, wow, what did we get ourselves into? Um, but now we're, we're too far in to not finish. Um, and we're doing it as a big fundraiser for Souls for Souls. So it's it's been really great, but it's definitely a lot. <laughs>
0: yeah and being a mom i can understand that and also working and everything else that you're doing fitting trying to fit all that in on the weekends is probably super difficult
1: but yeah i'm lucky to have a great partner at work and home and everywhere like i'm just lucky to have a lot of pieces fall into place for this
0: they obviously realize how important running is to you and how, how important these goals are to you and it's great that you're doing it for such a special cause can you tell us more about that
1: Yeah, um, Souls for Souls is a not-for-profit that collects shoes and clothing, and essentially they distribute it here in the U.S., but a lot of it they kind of refurbish or whatever they can clean up and make, you know, sort of new again. Um, They send that to Guatemala, Honduras, um, and they're able to make jobs for people selling these shoes. Um, So they, you know, a lot of single moms especially, they create jobs for them so they can support their families. Um, So they do a lot of really amazing work, yeah how did you get uh linked up with them um kind of by chance another ultra runner friend um Keith he he works with them already or did or I don't know he loves them um and we really wanted I wanted our ultra you know our adventure on the Appalachian Trail to really do good for for other people you know like hopefully an inspiring story but like financially do something for somebody Um, and so we were like, what's going to be the right organization. And, you know, he kind of helped us narrow it down since it's an organization that collects shoes and, um, the CEO is actually an ultra runner as well. So it was kind of like, this seems like the right hub for us and they've been wonderful. So, yeah,
0: that's awesome. You know, it's so funny. It's running is one of those things where it, it does so much for us as runners, but sometimes it almost seems like you wanted make it also about other people because it seems like it takes up so much of your time and almost sometimes feels like a selfish thing that you're doing. So if you can find a way to give back or make it about other people, it really helps it be that much more rewarding.
1: Right. Right. And it, it really can help so many people. And so any way that you can make it touch people is better.
0: So you're doing this adventure on the Appalachian trail, but then you talked also about your, Your organization that is, can you tell me more about that? The Appalachian Trail.
1: So, Run Run Venture, 18 Run Venture Project is kind of what we created um, as the name of this project. Uh, We still don't have a plan for, you know, we kind of both want it to be something after. Um, You know, like we wish we could be an organization that helps others plan logistics for trails um, because we both seem to have kind of a gift for really complicated situations. but we don't really know how to make that work or if that's realistic. Um, Part of me like is dying to be one of those people that plans weekend runs with people and takes them on the trail. But I have a business and two kids and like a life already that wasn't designed to be a wild and free weekend trail runner with friends. Like I, I, not at this point in my life. So I'm like, I don't know, maybe I'll just support someone else that already does that.
0: When did you start? When did
1: you start running? Um, I started in high school, technically, right? Like I had to join a sport at my school and I didn't know how to do anything but gymnastics. And my dad was like, How about cross country? And I was like, I only downhill ski. <laughs> I was like, You're an idiot. It's running. I was like, I don't know how to do that. Um, so cool. but I showed up and I I loved I loved it immediately. I liked, you know, I was like I was the only person that couldn't run for 30 minutes straight. And you know, so that challenge to be you know, from worst person on the team to improve was, you know, so much fun for me. Within three weeks, I was our top runner um, and I just loved it, right? Like, you kind of love what you're good at, but, yeah. you know, it's never easy. It's always a challenge. Um, I had so much fun with that. I ended up being one of the weird kids on this team that, like, actually wanted to run every day, right? Like, high school yeah. cross country is like, cool, let's run away from coach and then we'll go hide in the woods for half an hour. I'm like. <laughs> So uh, I was excited for college. And so I ran in college, of course, which wasn't nearly as fun. Um, and then after that, I found out people did marathons and things. So, yeah.
0: Wow. So you're, you're somebody who's motivated kind of by, uh, by a challenge and kind of like uh, people saying you can or things that you can't do and kind of proving them uh, wrong, huh?
1: Absolutely. Um, and I definitely have just like a base level of like personal motivation that comes from nowhere like
0: <laughs> just natural. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I did read that you did a lot of gymnastics growing up and, um, you, I wanted to talk a little bit about that because you said that contributed a little bit to some of your body dysmorphia and bulimia yeah. which we've talked about on the show before. So you can, can you talk a little bit about that and you know, how that kind of manifested itself when you were doing gymnastics?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I mean, it must be possible for it not to affect kids that way, but I, it's gotta be hard. I mean, you're surrounded by people and you're being critiqued and literally scored on how your body looks. Um, you know, and technically they're not scoring on certain things, but it, just the way that your muscles are formed can make you look a different way and stuff like that. So you could lose points because your neck's too short or your chin's not tall enough, or, you know and so everything is about how you look and you are you're running around playing with like no clothes on so you know everyone's leotards and comparing and it's like oh look at your belly button oh look at my like you know this is just natural kid stuff but yeah. then you're grading it and scoring it um so it obviously becomes a thing and then social media plays into it too because you know television and movie presents the ideas that are that are current issues um, but when you see that stuff, when you're nine, 10 years old, it's like, oh, that's an option. Who knew? I can totally do that. Right. Um, and, you know, I know, especially for me, like an eating disorder wasn't, wasn't exactly a choice. Right. That's not how I originally planned on coping with things. I actually started out cutting. Um, but then somebody, when my, I told, but my friends asked me and I told them, I don't lie to anybody. And they were like, yeah, you have to stop. And I was like, okay, whatever. But they made me talk to a school psychologist and I was like, fine, I'll stop. The next thing I knew I didn't have an outlet anymore. And so the eating disorder kind of came out of that. Right. So I completely stopped the cutting, but I immediately developed a different habit in place. Right. Which now in hindsight is like, oh, duh. <laughs>
0: yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So were you an anxious, um, or a highly sensitive, uh, child?
1: yeah yeah i was i never like diagnosed but i mean i had issues with i mean everything my parents put me in turtlenecks and i'd walk around feeling like i was choking i didn't do well with a lot of tastes and smells still um and things like that which for our generation wasn't a thing it was just like well suck it up kid (laughs) yeah 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 So I dealt with a lot of that. I got a lot of migraines as a kid, which honestly, I found that when I made myself throw up, my migraine would go away. So you know, I had this pattern of like, oh, this fixes things.
0: An article on the National Library of Medicine site describes the results of a study showing a significant link between migraines and eating disorders, suggesting that a migraine is a predisposing condition for the occurrence of an eating disorder. A link to this article will be included in the show notes for those interested in exploring this topic in depth.
1: Um, and so it, it all of those things like culminated to get me into trouble, right? <laughs> so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, you finally did get treatment, right? And then um, ran into some issues there with, uh, with treatment, right? Because you were also running at the time
1: yeah and i mean that was complicated so i mean you know i was in college um when things got really kind of out of control like i had since tried to stop and couldn't and felt like i was just losing this battle right so i got gotten to the point my senior year where um <laughs> It's funny to kind of talk about this stuff like it's no big deal now um, where it was like an awful part of my life. But I, you know, I got to the point where every day was like, well, I just won't eat and then I won't possibly binge. Right. And I would basically go until I was starving and then I would try to eat something small, which would then, of course, turn into a binge and um, and then, you know throwing up after until I was exhausted and then I was like oh my God I can't stop the cycle so I had just gotten so out of control that I had touched base with like doctors and stuff but I was doing everything from college which was eight hours from home so it was complicated and messy and they put me on a trial of um a medication but I didn't do well with that so I got off of it on my own which wasn't smart but Mm. um you know I kind of had like suicidal ideation on Prozac which is common but they didn't warn me about it and i basically had a phone call with my dad where i was like i don't think i care about anything anymore and he was like you need to get off of it so i cold turkey oh, wow. which is not smart um and so that senior year between fall and spring semester um i went for an intensive outpatient which was a nice start um it got me kind of an idea of what i was supposed to be doing but i wasn't able to actually do it um so then that spring things got Worse, I got to the point where I was like, I can't stop this cycle. And I, I you know, thought about doing stupid things and I was like, Oh, that, that's not what I want though. So legitimately I ended up in the emergency room being like, No, 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 I want help. And they're like, Well, we can't help you unless you're suicidal. I was like, No, 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 I don't want to die. I just want to stop everything for a few days and like get control. And luckily at that point in time, um a treatment center had called me back, like literally while I was waiting to be discharged from the emergency room. and they were like, We have a space for you if you can come now. And I was like, I graduate in like two weeks. Are you serious? Um, so, all of my teachers worked with me. I took my exams early and I missed my own college graduation. <laughs> um, wow. And they went out there for treatment.
0: Wow. But good for you for like <laughs> advocating for yourself and getting the treatment that you needed.
1: Yeah. That's so, it happened fast. And then, treatment I don't know, like it's interesting when you live in a box, right? And they provide for you. And then it was like, okay, so now we go home and you just have a provider. But the reality is when you get out, the social setup for people is awful, right? Mental health is not, there's no healthcare in place that they're supposed to be. You call all these places it like, oh, sure. We don't actually have any space for new patients. But if you call back in six months, and you're like, six oh, months, yeah. Also the intake evaluation is going to be $500. And then it'll only be $250 for each session after that. Does that sound okay? You're like, no, 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 it doesn't. I'm broke.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah.
1: And that's wow. mental health care that we get released back to. It's like, I just paid $70,000 for care because insurance didn't cover it. Like, that's been an ongoing fight. Um, And then I'm supposed to pay that. It's like, no, no, I can handle it all my own, which of course nobody can.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's so sad.
1: Yeah. So that was sort of my experience. And of course, that was right out of school. I was also going directly into PA school. Um, so I had kind of an awakening that summer where I was just like, Wow, I'm about to be a healthcare professional. What a joke. Right. Like oh this is gosh. not, this is not what I want people to think of when they think of a healthy human being. Like, yes, I'm so fit and thin, but this is why. Like gross. So I like really committed to change. Um and and still I like, struggled and it was it was still borderline anorexic, right? It's like, you know, meeting the minimum amount to like support yourself and like, but stay in control so it was still disordered but i was eating enough and i was doing fine um ish and then yeah yeah, ish all right like passable um which i think there's a lot of people walking around like that absolutely um and then and then i had a really great friend who finally like cornered me and called me out because i of course like messed up plenty of roommate relationships and things like that for stealing food and everything else and nobody knows how to approach it. So they just slowly stop talking to you. Right. right. (laughs) Um, But this roommate was like, listen, I don't care if you eat my food, but you're going to replace it and you're going to replace it with my brand. I know you've got issues and like, you need to work on that stuff. And I was like, wow, no one has ever actually said that to me. She was like, okay. But she helped me. She got me um, a gift certificate to hot yoga um, and I didn't use it right away. It took like one more full on relapse for me to like sit there crying. And I was like, what do I do now? Like, this is embarrassing. I cannot like go on like this forever. Um, And I committed to go to Overeating Anonymous um, every Sunday. I was like, I grew up going to church every Sunday. I can do this. I can just commit. And I tried that and immediately got dumped by my first um, sponsor. Really? Yeah. So in OA, a lot of people have the belief that like a drug, um, there are foods they can never have again. Mm. Right. Like I just cannot have them. I don't have that belief system. I wanted to be well enough that I can eat whatever the hell I want to. Right. Um, and she was like, I just can't work with you um because it's uncomfortable for me. And so I was like, I understand, but internally I was like, Oh my god, I got dumped by a sponsor, like how helpless am I? Oh my gosh,
0: but Go you know in. what, I think it's way more common than you think. Like, a yeah. Lot of, yeah, I mean, that it's, that it's that's just awful,
1: but keep, keep going. So, ahead. yeah, and so then I got myself to hot yoga and immediately felt connection with people, with myself for the first time in a long time, and I was like, I'm going to keep doing this every Sunday instead, um, and once I really started doing that, I mean, it just kind of took root and I was like, wow, this is the best thing I've ever done. Hang on one second. All right. Um, where was I? Oh, oh so the hot yoga. When I got to yoga. And it was like life changing, the community connection. Um, I really like that was a really new thing for me. Um, and I've still let's tell people like yoga is what really changed it for me. Um, it didn't I will say, like, even when I was really into yoga and I like, still had my teacher training, like, it gave me another way to, like, be in control of things that wasn't totally healthy, right? Because then you can, like, be vegan and vegetarian. It's all very, like, cult-like. It's great. <laughs> so then I just didn't have to eat much of anything because I was just doing yoga all day long. But it's not overly aggressive and nobody questions it. Right. And you drink fruit smoothies and, you know, there's nothing nothing wrong. So, um it had its ups and downs, but again, it was a lot better. And I was very self-aware. So I was, you know, as far as I concerned, I was pretty happy, Um, but it wasn't until like in running, I still didn't eat when I ran for like, I think I did my first marathon off of like a gel. So I was very dehydrated and a lot of pain by the end. And, you know, at that point I was like, wow, running is so not for me. I'm going to stick with like half marathons. Um, but somewhere in that immediate future, I met like this ultra running group and, um, I started like dabbling with it and, but my training picked up so much. And when that happened, I like, I remember like a distinct conversation with my dad. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do in order to keep up with the calories I'm burning. I'm eating so much like weight and vegetables every day. He's like, you have to eat fat. And I was like, I don't eat fat. And he was like, you have to. I don't care if you dip your vegetables in olive oil, you have to eat fat or you cannot do what you're trying to do. So that was kind of the first, I don't know why that hit home so hard, but it did. And I was like, okay, if I want my body to do the things I want it to do, I have to feed it. Um, And that's kind of what really started to break the cycle, right? Like slowly I started eating meat again, two days before my races. And then it was two days before my races and my recovery meal. Um, and then slowly just didn't matter as much, right? And I won't say like food isn't, you know, still an issue. Like I'm working with a functional medicine, um, doctor now, who's kind of helping me like figure out exactly what I should be eating nutritionally to support my crazy habits. So (laughs) it's still a thing, but it's, you know, so much less.
0: Yeah. And I think it's, you know, one thing that I was thinking of when you were saying that it's when you find something that's more important to you than the eating disorder.
1: Yeah, you
0: know, kind of, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it can still be there and it's still there, but self-awareness, like you said, is key. Like when, you know, you're doing something that's eating disorder behavior or something, you're able to recognize it. And even if you're doing it, you're like, this is not, you know, you're acknowledging it and this is an eating disorder behavior. Um, so self-awareness for sure is key. And, and like I said, um, obviously running is really important to you. And I think that it, I, you know, I, I think some therapists and people disagree, but I think it can be a motivator um, to heal uh, some of that disordered thinking. Um, because if you want to be good, you want to be better at your sport, you need to eat, you know?
1: Yeah. 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 And I, I mean, I thought that was a huge component um, that absolutely changed, changed my life. Right? Yeah. I mean, i said to my husband and, you know, I have low periods and stuff. And i've said it to my husband i'm like you know he'll look at me and be like don't do anything stupid i'm like i can't my goals are too big
0: right right yep. yeah yeah so those goals definitely keep you focused and your head in the right direction i think that's great um yeah. and i think I'm, I'm gonna go back a little bit here because um you were in the military so where, where did that fit into all this
1: so um but yeah so military kind of fit in don't touch the buttons um, um let's see uh me and my uh, current husband we were dating and had this idea and i really wanted to join the military and i'd always wanted to um but every time it had come up in my life it just wasn't the right time um and when i first met him he talked me out of joining the military because he was just getting out um of of the marines And he was like, listen, if your goal is to do good for people, you can do more good out here than you ever will in the military. And I was like, I don't know, I guess I'll try. So he works, he runs essentially a nonprofit. And so I volunteered with them for 30 hours a week that next year, um, worked really hard. And I still just was like, nope, I still feel like I can do good somewhere else. So I still really want this military experience. And someone was like, well, what if you didn't do it full time? What if you did something like the guard? And I was like, oh, you know, I never thought of that. Yeah. So I jumped right in, um, to the idea. And then there's a whole commissioning process, which took forever, a little over a year. So from the time that I decided to do that to the time I was actually, you know, joined, um, I was then eight months pregnant with my first and we were getting married in two weeks. And I was like, I don't know if this is still a good idea, but we were like, it's fine. It's just a few years. We'll just go for it so um i was a physician assistant there in the guard as well um it wasn't it might have been an experience that i wanted but you know i I ended up loving being a mom and i wanted to be around so i was like no i don't want to go to courses and i don't want to deploy i want to be home so um (laughs) you know as soon as they let me go i was like okay bye part of me wishes i had done that earlier i think i could have done something really cool with a career in the military but I don't want to be that as a mom, right? Like special forces stuff would have me gone all the time. And that's not what I want. So, you know, I may go back someday and finish in the reserves or something, but once they're bigger. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Where do you, where do you think your drive comes from? Like, do you feel like you have like something that you want to prove or like, where do you think this comes from? Because I'm, I'm similar. So it's not, I'm not not in any way, negative way, but like, where do you, you know, like for me, I'm like, I always feel like I, I have to prove something, which maybe isn't the best motivator. But like for you, do you know what it's about?
1: Um, I don't. I don't. And I've spent a lot of time thinking about it and trying to figure it out myself. In fact, like one of my big goals at twenty nine, when I was turning 30, I was like, you know what, I actually need to do less with my life. I need to do less. I need to stop trying so hard. Um, And my it was like my one goal was to get down to one job. Right. So get out of the military, stop having multiple jobs um and then you know just be a mom and just run i was like that's plenty everything else i need to stop trying to do um and so i spent you know getting out of the military is a huge thing Um, opening my business i'm still technically like prn at another job um but <laughs> i'm almost there right yeah so i'm like like trying to calm that down over the years and i feel like a lot of it is anxiety right like i've even debated i think the last time i went to work on it like i wrote Uh, betterhelp.com or whatever and i wrote this whole thing and i was gonna work on my anxiety and they asked me a couple questions actually i love my anxiety i mean it's what makes me me i'm sure it's super annoying for people sometimes but it's the reason i wake up in the morning and get crap done i love it
0: so anxiety and you talked about the eating disorder and then depression was that just part of do you think that's all tied together really
1: hard to say honestly like i mean i got after my first kid was born i definitely had like postpartum anxiety and i still like fluctuating brain chemistry stuff right like i don't know um you know so i i was still categorized a bunch of it between anxiety depression um and then my second kid was born and it's like that person i don't even know anymore like yeah, i don't know yeah. he popped out and i've been fine ever since it's so weird um yeah
0: and it's, it's one of those things I, I ask it, but at the same time, uh, when I try to think of it, I don't think you need to label any of it, really. It's just- Yeah, you
1: know. and I mean, I think most of it now is, I mean, on par with normal, right? Like not clinically depressed or anything or clinical anxiety, um, usually, it, it you know, it's pretty normal, which is, yeah. you know, looking back on my history, I'm like, wow, like who would have thought that's possible? Yeah. Um, you know, and my functional med doctor was like, well, it's probably from all your running. Yay!
0: You're obviously like a fast trail runner and stuff like that, um, and I'm sure that gives you something in itself, like being able to accomplish those things. But outside of that, um, can you talk about a little bit, like rope running, does to you on, you know, on on another level that's not so like not so much about the performance. Like if you have a bad race, like Um,
1: how do you deal with that? Yeah. Um, So it's, so I think like I actually actually showed like the outline and whatnot for this podcast to my running buddy for the Appalachian because I had so much fun. So we were back on the AT for our first segment this last weekend. We only did 90 miles, which for us is not a crazy weekend. So it was kind of like a vacation. We were like, this is so nice. It was the first time that we weren't like exhausted by the end of each day, right? We were like, oh, we could do a little more. This is nice. But Uh, The last day, I always kind of push it for no logical reason, except it's the last day. And I know I have recovery days coming up and I'm like, all right. But I was out there and like, uh, you know, ridiculous amounts of pain, like my lungs burning, my legs burning, like shoving myself up this mountain for no logical reason. It's not a race. You know, Celia's two hours behind me, not even, but, you know, a little bit behind me but like there's there's no reason for me to go fast and i'm like literally laughing out loud in the woods cuz i'm like what is wrong with me <laughs> like um, but you know like one of the questions um in the outline is like what was your proudest moment you know and and i was like i don't know if i have one i don't have a race or something and it's like that is my proudest moment is being able to laugh at myself in the woods while pushing myself as hard as i possibly can because i like to it's fun for me yeah um and that experience lets me bring that part of myself home, right? Like being out in the woods where none of it matters and I'm just playing around being myself allows me to come back home and be like, okay, what really matters in life kind of thing.
0: Perspective, right. yeah. <laughs> cool, buddy. And with you saying that, that's like, that's awesome, that's perfect. Like, I think that's a great explanation. And uh, as a follow-up question that, I guess, I don't know if I put it on here, but. What, what do you think other people would say is your biggest accomplishment
1: i ran georgia jewel in 2018 and set a course record six months postpartum um that kind of blew me away and everybody else so i'm pretty sure most people would say that that's probably the coolest thing i've ever done
0: now what was that Was uh, it 50 mile what was that it's a hundred
1: mile race all right 100
0: mile race i think i missed the first part of it, it was called the jewel
1: yeah georgia jewel georgia jewel I had DNF there in 2016 and then 2017, I planned on running it, trained really hard, but got pregnant in August. Um, So I could not, I ran the 35 that year, but I was like so bummed because I had trained so hard all year and I was like crushed. And my husband's like, well, next year, I was like, that's a really bad idea. Next year I'll be (laughs) six months postpartum, we'll have two kids. I was like, how the heck are we going to do that? Um, but somehow I did and I ran like a three and a half hour record, you know, like just craziness, Oh my um, which I think, you know, related, I have vascular issues and stuff since my kids. And I think because I had just put the stent in, it was working at the time and like having good blood flow. I was actually really good. Um, the stent has since kind of failed, but you know, so I'm not fast as fast, still good and you know, still strong runner. I just can't put down like seven minute miles anymore.
0: So why? you do a lot of hundreds it blows my mind uh, why hundred why not a marathon
1: so the cost and time away from home ratio right like so for me like unfortunately as an ultra runner like a marathon is just a training run so to pay a couple hundred dollars and, and to deal with i mean even to do a local like to deal with the driving and the parking and all that stuff for just a three hour run it's like oh man i don't know uh, you know, and a 50K, like all anything shorter than a hundred, I have this pressure to like get back home and perform as mom, right? I'm like, I need to be out of here in exactly five and a half hours. I can get back home by then. And on my husband can like, I can relieve him and be mom. And I have to like walk in the door, like ready to go, which is harder after a marathon than a hundred miler. <laughs>
0: I'm laughing at you because I'm like, no, why not just a marathon? <laughs> like
1: Because you run a marathon faster and it hurts so much more. <laughs> That's why I don't like 5Ks. (laughs) Right? So I don't do 5Ks because you pay like $80 and you only get a 20-minute run and it hurts so much.
0: It's like death for like the entire time.
1: Right. So 100, I feel like I've got my time. I can take all of it. And i don't have to stress about anything right like my kids okay. are having sleepovers or like they're completely distracted it's not like a day trip it's a full weekend experience and i just absorb it all
0: what's your training if you're i mean are you just constantly ready to run a hundred mile race like are you just every day like you're ba- basically ready if something pops up you could go run 100 miles
1: so you know, a funny thing happens in ultra running and I'm, I'm sure even just marathoning right like you know normal people distances too Um, that you get to a point where you don't really have to train, right? Like I'm not in shape to, like I couldn't put down like a fast marathon right now or anything. I know I can run 26 miles, but I don't think I could race 26 miles. My training is very much maintenance um, and really has been, especially with the Appalachian Trail stuff. I mean, last year we were doing like 140 miles and then two and a half weeks later we went back out and did it again. So it was like insane mileage. So we really were just recovering and trying not to break in between right yeah for like 10 months um and so this year it's kind of been a slow ramp up but we're lucky to not have to do it so intensely this year so we're sort of using our big weekends as our big training weekends so each one will get a little bit bigger and then we're finishing the last 470 miles in a big chunk of two weeks like all at once so that's kind of what we're building up to which is just completely different from anything else that we've done, like a race, so there's no reason for us to be doing tempos or sprints, or you know, it's just kind of maintaining and strength training and making sure that we don't break. So it's weird.
0: <laughs> yeah. So how do you do that? Like, so, so first, I'll start with how many miles are you running, like a day or a week? Like, yeah. How, like, is that? Are you running every single day?
1: No. Um. I mean, I tend to do something most days. Like right now, I I make myself take three full days off after our weekends. Um, because the first day, like, I can't even think straight, um, like, just, I don't, like, I think I'm actually like in a runner's high state, like, cause I, I feel high all day. It's a little terrifying. It's just like, I can't function because I can't think clearly. Okay. Um, my body is not damaged. Like I feel fine just out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually that starts to wear off by day two. So I just completely rest. So like today was my last day of complete rest. And then I'll probably do like a walk jog tomorrow. Um, and then, so next week I'll run like a normal week, which is this year, I'm limiting myself to like 30, 40 miles. Um, I used to, oat like for years, I, I couldn't, and, you know, part of that's hanging on to little threads of disorder, right? Like I couldn't run less than 50 miles because as long as I do 50 miles, my body seems to stay right where I want it. So I can't do less.
0: Right.
1: Um, but we ended up, I ended up with, I don't know, my highest mileage ever last year, Um, which, you know, I follow enough runners. It's not that much, but for me and my schedule, it was too much. And I was like, I need to do less, especially if I want to gain any strength. Like you can't maintain both, um, off of like 40 minutes a day. So, you know, so now I'm doing more strength training and, you know, I'll do more walking with a weight pack instead of like running. Um, but yeah, so like 30, 40 miles a week has been kind of my max, um, I mean, I think I think my peak week I did like a 50 mile week, but
0: yeah. Is your strength training um is that something you do like with weights or do you go to the gym? Like how do you do your Um I do it all at
1: home. I kind of miss the gym a little bit, but I haven't rejoined since COVID and we have a bunch of stuff at home. So I've got like a 30 pound weight vest and I've got some free weights and you know, we've got a pull-up bar and a pulley system. Yeah. So we've got plenty that I can throw something together. Um, but I try to do a mixture of like body weight stuff. Um, and then wherever I can use the weight to, to make it useful. Right. Cause like for the AT, just the downhill kills me. Um, and I, I had some knee pain last year off and on. I'm like, that's all just strength. So if I can just like get that better. Right. So.
0: Do you have a team of, uh, like a physical therapist, chiropractor, anything like that, that you see?
1: No, I should <laughs> I get input. I have a couple of like functional friends, right people who do functional medicine, um like in movement stuff. Um, people Celia has actually introduced me, so they actually like work or live in different states, but I'll like hit them up with my questions and stuff um but i've I've had my fair share of all of those um over the years, and so I kind of take a ton of info and I mean nowadays it's not too hard to find you know you find that you follow the right people on instagram and they've got different foot exercises every day so i have a i have a really heavy prehab routine so i do a lot of functional mobility stuff and you know i'm always doing ankle mobility and hamstring mobility and back and everything else and so that's just part of my my strength training right like it's just yeah. broken up it's stuff i can do when my kids are running around outside i can just be balancing on one foot
0: have you ever been out like have you been injured and been out for a long period of time
1: Kind of, sort of. So, 2019. So, after my Georgia Jewel run, um, I actually thought, hey, maybe I can be an elite runner. How cool would that be? Um, I was working with a coach and I trained really hard and I was sleeping like four hours a night um, because I had a newborn still and it was a mess. Um, But I was doing it and putting down some of the fastest times I ever had and it was awesome until it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Um, So, around March, like, a month before like my race that i had been training for um my hamstrings both kind of blew up um i kept running through them and i raced George death race on them um but i was also just burnt out right like it was it was a bad combo um but my hamstrings were bad and they'd been bad for a while and like in hindsight at that point i've been running on plantar fasciitis for like five or six years i had a bad ankle but it never seemed to get worse or better so i just ran on that too <laughs> So, you know, and I'd been through therapy, but it didn't really help and, you know, dry needling and didn't really help and whatever. So anyway, all of this kind of culminated and I was like, I'm done, I'm going to go get help. Um, And then I I also have like, my pelvic floor has been messed up since my kids were born, right? Which goes hand in hand. I have um, pelvic congestion syndrome and May Thurner syndrome, which is like vascular issues in my pelvis. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So i kind of hit a dead end with medicine which is what which is why i dealt with this stuff for so long right i feel like just saying it's like wow that's super dumb but i had gone back and forth with medicine so many times that i kept hitting the dead end which was like well you can go see pain management i am like, I have a two out of ten i'm not like broken i just it's annoying yeah um and you know so i i didn't get anywhere after my second kid they find like finally one of the therapists was like oh i think i know what's wrong this isn't muscular this is vascular Um, And so that helped a lot. But essentially, some of the work they did, like I said, they put a stent in all this stuff and the stent helped, but it didn't fix what they hoped it would fix. Um, And they went back in and tried again. And now they're basically like, so everything we did didn't really help. So there's not really anything we can do, but we'll continue to follow you. And I'm like, okay, cool. Thank you. Um, and honestly, the only thing that seems to f- help a lot is doing these multi-day runs. It actually gives me a lot of relief that I'm like, okay, so there's no science behind it because there's not a lot of people like me to study, um, but it seems to help. Um, okay. So I forget what was the original question?
0: Well, I was asking, oh, if you've been ever been out, have you been injured like where you can't run? And yeah. like, I'm just wondering how that impacted you like mentally like, yeah. being able to run?
1: So 2019, I spent a lot of time working with multiple therapists, so so for my back, my pelvic floor, and my hamstrings all at the same time, and all of them trying really hard, like I did gait analysis and all this jazz. And so they were like, you cannot run more than six miles at a time. We don't want you doing more than like 15 miles in a week. So I was on that regimen for about six months working with all of them, um, which didn't seem to make any difference. So kind of as soon as I was done with therapy and progressing to like, oh, well, we can have you go try this therapist. Um, I signed up for another 100 miler and just kind of threw that in there. Oh. And that was kind of when I realized I had this maintenance phase too, where like, I can run a 100 miler off of like a 20 mile run. I can do this kind of whenever I want, which is really cool. Wow.
0: So you just kind um, of were figuring out yourself how to like manage the load that you put on your body to make it
1: yeah it, and a lot of stuff um I didn't figure out I mean I slowly like only last year from balancing and stuff like that uh, I wish I could think of his name Eric something or other he's got videos on YouTube and he's a, he's a coach too um but he's really into like your foot strength and how that actually helps heal the whole posterior chain um so doing his stuff is the first time my feet were better, but honestly they didn't get better until we were on the et um there's really something magical about just moving constantly um like both me and celia are we had both had feet pain and it was it's gone when we're on the appalachian completely hamstring pain disappears um so there's a lot of relief that comes from movement (laughs) um but yeah i mean while i was injured it was hard um you know it wasn't dramatically hard i didn't have i didn't struggle with stuff per se i still worked out and found other outlets um but it, it's always hard, and especially because we put so much weight on, like, our social life, right, which is all internet. Like, all of my friends are runners, so all we do is follow runners, and it's yeah. that can make it really hard for us. So it's, you know, I've spent a lot of time over the last few years debating whether or not I should just stop trying ultra running because of all of my body stuff and everything else, right? Should I just quit and, like, try something new? I'm young. I can do lots of other things. Um, and at the end of the day, I'm not ready yet maybe one day I will be. Um, But right now, I've kind of come to a good balance. Um, But I feel like I've done the mental work to be prepared for the day that I just can't, right? Like, then I've got yoga or biking, or I've always wanted to learn rock climbing. And if I can't do any of those things, then I'll learn to knit or something. Like, there's always something we can do. Yeah, We we just have to not close ourselves off to other ideas.
0: That's a really healthy mindset. And it's kind of a credit to who you are. Like, I can just see that that's the kind of person you are. You just don't give up. Like, you're just like, you'll figure it out, basically. Yeah. Right. So, um, that's, that's amazing. I think that's really something to be proud of, actually. Thank you. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, your whole attitude about like figuring stuff out and it, it is making me think of like something in common that runners have. It's just basically like, when you start out on a race or whatever, you never know how it's gonna go, especially in a a race, like a hundred mile race, like you have no idea so much can go wrong. But the fact that, you know, I think there's something about the fact that you show up to the start line, knowing that so much can go wrong, but you have that, um, I don't know if it's confidence or or, um, courage to start and just know that like, whatever happens, you'll figure it out or you'll be okay. Or, you know, what's the worst that can happen? right Right. so just like being able to take that
1: so i like that phrase because i spent so i was always my gym my gymnastics coach always said i was too smart for gymnastics so i would stand up there on the beam you know doing my little hand movements and sweating and shifting and she's like what are you doing just go and i'm like i'm thinking about all the things that can go wrong and she's like why and i was like because that way i can weigh the probability of whether or not they're gonna happen and then i can decide that it's unrealistic that i'm really gonna get hurt and then i can go and she's like okay, you need to just like go. (laughs) But when running, you have the time to do that and be like, okay, I mean, sure I could sprain my ankle or maybe I won't, right? Like, or you'll get stung by a bee, right? Like you have no idea Um, and it's always something new. And that's probably my favorite part as a coach, right? Is working with people, Um, but it's also hard because they want answers. They're like, well, what should I do? It's like, I can't tell you until you get there and you try it because what works for everybody else still might not work for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that is that's one of the hardest things is you just kind of have to figure figure a lot of stuff out on your own and what works for you because like you said it's it can be different for everybody. Oh, well, I think you're so much fun, and I think that you a lot of the stuff that you said is going to be really really helpful um, okay. to people. So good luck with everything that you're doing. Thank I'm sure you. That you will. Uh, do amazing things. And I can't wait to follow you. So actually with that, uh, can you tell us where people can either reach out or follow you or support you? Like where should we, where should we look for you?
1: Yeah. So we have an Instagram at AT run venture project. It's also on Facebook and it's just the way it sounds. So AT run venture V E N T U R project. Um, And then also on my website, which is MX chief Fit Adventures, I think. Okay. MXP Adventures. I'm like, I do know my own website. I swear. <laughs> I kind of put it together so that I would have a hub for this project. So, and it'll give me a chance to write the blog. So I do write about every segment. It'll eventually be a book and all that jazz. Um, and we we try to post a ton of pictures and do little video clips. We did start a YouTube, but we haven't been able to like keep up with it. So it's not very cool. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, I mean, I'm just on, on um, Instagram as like MXG run fit is my main page. So, but everything's linked. So.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's great. I encourage everybody to give you a follow because you're up to some really cool stuff and you're just seem like a really great person and inspiration to all of us. And now it's time for final thoughts when, you know, is there something that you tell yourself when it gets really, really hard, um, that just keeps you going? Like when you want to stop, do you have a mantra or anything like that?
1: Um, I do, and it's not very special really, but I just kind of remind myself, like, um, you know, I I basically make myself say like, I'm a good athlete and I work hard, right? Like, um, because for the first umpteen years of sport, so for me, my Georgia Jewel, like, golden moment, right? What was so important about that for me it was the first race that I used positive self talk. I had trained it, I practiced it, and I did it all race long. And I was like, holy crap, it works. Wow. Because before that I was always the runner out there, like, you're so stupid. Why don't you try harder? You should eat. Why are you so dumb? You know, and then it was like, no, I'm gonna instead I spent the entire race being like, you worked hard for this. You've trained hard. You're a good athlete. You can do good hard things. And that worked right? Like it kept me in a place where I was able to be like, listen, it's okay if you screw up because you worked hard. <laughs> and that was game-changing.
0: Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, please head over to Maybe Running Will Help on Instagram and follow us. Our profile has links to the latest topics, how to send us a voice message, and where to follow, like, and review so we can reach more listeners. You can also hit me up at One Classy Mother Runner, where I expose my personal experiences with mental health and trauma in order to create awareness and hope to those struggling to recover. And of course, you'll find plenty of posts about my training and our beloved sport. Keep running, keep inspiring, and keep sharing how maybe running will help.